greatest song ever written, ladies and gentlemen, sung by the majestic Dionne Warwick, Burt Bacharach, is swirling in the heavens. Hooray, hurrah, once again, the smartest man in the world, Proopcast, takes to the ether, this time from the salubrious confines of Burt Bacharach's avocado couch. <laughs> Sipping a sherry with Angie Dickinson while our beaded curtains rattle. Vermouth. I think I said sherry. It's the greatest song of all time and there's no way around it. I'm the smartest man in the world, Greg Proops. This is Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Hi, good, thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I thought I'd drop by. I live in uh, a state of, as you know, um, in between Gladys Knight, Dionne Warwick, and Chaka Khan, wondering each day, oh, Anita Baker, um, my the staples, sure. right, whether they're whether they're okay and what the world is doing for them every moment. Right. And uh, a couple of them follow me on Twitter, which delights me beyond... Betty LeVette. Betty LeVette. I think Dionne Robert just made a new album, didn't she, with Dolly Parton? Yes. Uh, And by the way, most of those women are touring right now. Oh, yeah. You can go see them. Everybody take a break for a second. We had a pretty hectic start here, you guys. Uh, It's not a tragedy about Burt Bacharach. It's a triumph of living over 115 years and having 10,000 hits. Well, I was just going to say, he and Dionne Warwick had about 7,000 hits between them. Yeah. He wrote specially for her with Hal David. We must never forget his lyricist. And uh, later, Burt wrote a book... uh, uh, about his life and everything, and he, he he regretted breaking up with Hal David, although he did have hits. He, he married Carol Bayer Sager. I don't know what a songwriter can do. It's like Gilbert and Sullivan broke up, and Sullivan married um, Rogers from Rogers and Hammerstein. Like, you know, uh, he really did marry Carol Bayer Sager. Well, we're going to play all of his songs in just a minute, but we just wanted to jump in and say hello to everybody. Thank you for your patience. I know that the, some of the shows have been far and few between, but that's because I'm a genius and everything I do has to be eked out of marble using the smallest of implements. Like uh, how Fran Leibovitz says she writes in her own blood. That's, that's right. Why that's, why it, her, that's why it takes her so long. <laughs> the reason it takes Fran Leibovitz so long is she writes using her own blood. <laughs> and the reason comedy takes me so long is I use an infinitesimal chisel and the hardest Carnelian, Carnubian, Kardashian marble that's available to mankind. And well, I, you have to wait for the quarry to have it. Do I fuck? And I have to blow the dust off. And I've got that terrible athema, uh, anathema, <laughs> whatever. So uh, we have loads to get at. Uh, so let's jump right in. Uh, I'm on the road with the Who's Line guys. Yeah, you didn't think it was going to be a commercial right off wow. the bat. Um, and we're in uh, Washington State this weekend. And we're playing um, Yakima. Um, because evidently... Things aren't going that well. And uh, no, we played Yakima before. And uh, I said, uh, the, the, I lost all my luggage on a trip, a plane trip to Boise. It was a direct flight, by the way, from Los Angeles to Boise on a very small so plane. did they just 
pitch it out the window? Yeah, uh, my, my guess, my understanding is they were unhappy with where I was from and my thought process and my <laughs> belief system. So before we landed in Boise, they disposed of my bag. And so I was stranded in Boise. This was some time ago. Uh, and, and went to the Macy's and bought, uh, you'll recall it, a, a cream-colored sort of cocaine dealer, sort of Don Johnson-y suit for like $65. Oh, I tried to forget about that. Yeah, and I wore it with an Aloha shirt that I found on the premises because that's oh, this, all they had. this story has taken a terrible so, turn. So, right, we did gigs in Boise. I got my baggage back later. And I wore the suit and the Aloha shirt. But you were in a Beach Boys cover band? Yes. I, I so looked like Mike Love playing a Detroit Stadium, a Tiger Stadium in 1981 when he interrupted the game and you didn't want him to. Like the game finished and they... The only time I ever saw the Beach Boys, we were at a Giants game and they brought them out and I didn't know they were coming. So that's how you saw the Beach Boys for, I think, for decades. Like they just showed up at ballparks and events. They were there. Right. Uh, and, and anyway, uh, yeah, I was totally dressed like my oh, cream-colored suit and a little shirt. So I wore it in uh, Boise. And then I think we played Yakima. And where are the cotlets? We played the place where the cotlets are from. And uh, I, I try to suppress that knowledge. A lot of people don't know. I'm going to explain. You've very, taken a, an amazing Turkish right. uh, dessert and, and rendered it uh, sort of like in, encased in resin, like when they find uh, insects. Ancient insects, right? So they're, they're, in amber. Yeah, they they can't move anymore, and they're in their agony throes. What that's what's like the, the cutlets are like? But explain what a cutlet is. It's like a fruit palate. It's like a fruit. Well, it's the fruit that has been uh, with the flavor beaten out of it <laughs> into a, a sort of jelly substance. Not the Turkish version. No, I'm not talking about the Turkish version. You're asking me what a. Cutlet but it's a foul is. parody of Turkish delight. Yes. Anyway, they're called cutlets and applets. And there's a firm that makes them in Washington. And they so they take what would be Turkish Delight, which would mean the fruit gelatinous apple thing or cherry or whatnot, and then put so much powdered sugar on it that if you inhale while you're eating it, you die. And, and so in Washington State, of course, it just kills because you'll go, oh, I'm going to have a cutlet while we're having a conversation. And then <gasps> it's like powdered sugar closes your glottis. It's like doing coke and not. And it's one of those things that's you know regional specific. You can't you can't outrun the the cotlet van. Sort of like the Nanaimo, right? <laughs> the Nanaimo bar. <laughs> the Nanaimo bar is a fixation in one spot, and you just think, what, what, why, what happened when when custard and coconut and chocolate? I love Nanaimo bars, Jennifer. They're, you pretty much turned me on to them. I mean. You made them for yeah, us yeah, I did. I have because you have some Nanaimo bar background. <laughs> then we played Nanaimo last year, kittens, and it's a play. Where is Nanaimo? What is it? It's in British Columbia. A. It's near. Well, who cares? But it's in British Columbia. It's on the water, and there's killer whales and it's shit. In, yeah, it's in between a narwhal and a, right, and a, a dead orca and a, and a seal. And uh, oh, they had people going out like mad people into the bay and on what? planes and boats and wearing every manner of. Um, life jacket and everything. So I sat on the key eating Nanaimo bars and fish and chips and stuff. But a Nanaimo bar is this insanely uh, chocolate coconut cream custard. It's, yeah, custard is involved. It's it's really light. They're rich. So in the van on the way there, we had a, we took a small count and said, who's had a Nanaimo bar? Bob is from Canada. He had Ryan grew up in Richmond, B.C. He 
So he said his mother made them throughout his childhood, Nanaimo bars. It's a real B.C., Western United States kind of thing. Not very California, more no, Northwest. No, you're not going to encounter it here. So you have to be in Washington State or B.C. or I don't know where the Nanaimo bar range is. But the people who know of them <laughs> know the fame. And the other, the other few need to get in the game. Because, as you said, you can't outrun the Kotlet van. But you cannot miss the Nanaimo bar if you get a chance to have one. Jeff hadn't had one. So, Jeff Davis... And we got there, and I went and... And then he couldn't stop. Right. I went and bought him one at this bakery on the wharf, and it was tremendous. The, the Gateway Nanaimo Yeah, the, ga- the, the first one's free, kid. And then after that, yeah, you work for me. I need you to go down the schoolyard and do some stuff for me. You mind working this corner for a while? And um, you look hip. Hold this. Uh, hold this bag. Wait till the guy comes along. His name's Guido. He walks with a limp. He has a mustache. Um... So I and it, and it had been encased in it was a like in a Tupperware, you know what I mean? It wasn't in a crappy wrapper mm-hmm. or a bag or whatever. And I caught him on the street, and then I'm near one of the boring monuments or clocks or watchtowers or fucking whatever it was a lighthouse or something, you know, because it's all nautical in Canada. So it combines two things that didn't you say that there was a museum or something that had the couches were Nanaimo bars? Oh. Like that's when there was the art museum. There had Nanaimo bar couches. Yeah, the couches were in the shape of Nanaimo bars. So you were sitting on a chocolate (laughs) custard, and they they're stripes, you guys. So they're layered. So there's chocolate stripe, coconut stripe, yellow stripe. They're really good. So I gave Jeff to make a long story. I see him again later, and he's like, "I have it in my refrigerator. I've eaten half it." Now we're talking like it's heroin and stuff. I took some of it, but I didn't take all of it. And then we get in the van to go to the next stop, which was up the coast, whatever that place is, where there's the monster, Ogopogo. What town is that? There's a resort is there, Okan- really a, Okanagan. A mon- that one. Is it really a monster, or is it just sort of a misunderstood. Loch light? <laughs> misunderstood Canadian. Monster. <laughs> right? There's all those Canadians up there. Uh, you find them when you get up there. Uh, most Canadians are pretty happy to be Canadian. Then there's a group that are unhappy that want to drive trucks into uh, 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 Ottawa and, and idle them till the. Well, you ran into the anti-vaxxers, right? Was and it was in of the, all places Victoria. There, Victoria. That seems British, like a non-starter. Uh, to explain Victoria to you guys, it's called Victoria because it's named after Queen Victoria. They have red phone boxes, and all there is is ice cream. So, like, it's one of those towns. <laughs> Uh, the center of it looks like a cute little English town from the 1890s, and I think that was the point of it. So it's unspeakable in that regard. Though, of course, there's a town around it. But is it like English t- telly that really evil lurks? No, it isn't. Because it's, it's because it's British Columbia, and no, there's no evil lurking. And there's Vancouver, not an, an, a murder mystery waiting to be... No, if it was Vancouver, and no one's done that. Everybody shoots in Vancouver, but no one shoots like murder mysteries because Vancouver's crimey mm-hmm. and has heroin and stuff. And there's more needle exchanges there than anyone have ever been. No, Victoria's total tourist trap. The worst thing that's going to happen is your ice cream melts or something. They might be out of strawberry preserve. Right? <laughs> and this, this group came down the street and they were carrying Canadian flags, which is sad. I'm going to be honest about that. Seeing a American flags is just stupid. We look like Nazis when Amer- or whenever yes. there's a group of Trump flags. You see, a- I, I told you when when I went uh, to door to door for the election in 2018 out in the Mojave. Yeah, <laughs> that one of our notes on our list was uh, to to uh, to note down uh, on the address if they had a flag, if they had an American flag, because yep. yeah, that was uh, in fact a red flag. To have a flag. No question. It, 
the the American flag replaced the Confederate flag, and the, the British Union Jack replaced uh, yeah. their Nazi. Or, or the uh, the um, Saint George. Aye. Yeah, it's just a, a little, white supremacist. Yeah, line. it's just a little tip off that you might want to avoid that area. Yeah, it's not so. I mean, I know there's people who are like are you. No, white supremacists haven't taken the flag over. You can still wave the flag and fly the flag and be a proud American. But it, everybody knows that they they've tried to make it by putting a blue stripe on it, by coding it different ways. Mm-hmm. All this. Nefarious. Well, I always find that uh, maybe if, if it's a celebrating uh, the rights of a formerly oppressed group, say the gay pride flag. Right. That, that is meaningful, but I don't sure. feel like I need to be reminded of the country that I live in. And those 13 original colonies. <laughs> those 13 <laughs> great original slave <laughs> states. Super, super great. <laughs> you mean the country that was built on importing other people so they could build the place? Yeah. <laughs> Now, mind you, if this is going out in Florida, this isn't true. None of what I just said is true. Uh, We built America. We did not use slave labor. We didn't make the indigenous people do anything. And we didn't have a Bracero program with every other race. So uh, the Nanaimo bar is a a very necessary bar. The Kotlet, not so much. And, um, of course, uh, we get to Yakima and I've got this cocaine dealer suit. You know, right? All of a sudden, I have an uh, pet alligator. Yeah, I have a pet alligator. I'm drinking Dom, and I've got a. What did he have? A Lamborghini or a Ferrari? And um, I'm uh, not wearing socks now. No, you have to wear socks there. You'll be bitten to death. It was the summer in Washington State, so you know what I mean. It's Skeeters. Oh, we also that trip where I bought this suit. It was Gay Pride Day in Idaho, and I remember sitting in front of the hotel in Boise and watching. A very small but formidable parade go by. And of course, things are much different now, eight, eight ten years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, the government of Idaho is unspeakable, but the people of Idaho, uh, the gay people especially, quite brave and wonderful. Um, yes. So we were in Yakima, and now I've got to do another show with the boys. And I've got my clothes now. And Jeff and Chip and the group then, and Ryan go, will you please wear the Coke dealer? <laughs> so I wore it the rest of the tour every night with the Aloha shirt on stage. And it was, then I wore it to a corporate gig in Vegas once. Uh, I wore it on stage. Have you burnt it? Oh, since? it's so dead. Then we go to the South for three weeks. It's going to be groovy. March 26th, Lynchburg. March 27th, Columbia, South Carolina, um, Knoxville, Tennessee, Greenville, Greensboro, Nashville, Louisville, Paducah, Little Rock, and Denton, Texas. So I, when I tell you we're going to the South, we don't joke around. We're going to South Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Texas. Wow. So, yeah, we round, round, get around. So, please don't write me and go... When are you coming to Little Rock? Soon, you guys. Come in. And you know, who could forget that great Little Rock song? Rock, rock, little rock, little rock, rock a little. There's no one that I know of yet, but soon. Denton, Texas, isn't that where Rocky Horror takes place? Doesn't it say Denton, home of great living or whatever? <laughs> uh, and then we're on and on and on ever. Uh, the East Coast after that in April. Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire. New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and then the Midwest in May, 
Milwaukee, three nights in Chicago at the Studebaker Theater. I'm looking forward to that. Three nights in a row in Chicago. You'll have to come out for that. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, then May 16th, uh, Champagne, Illinois. All the French towns. Champagne, and then Dubuque. <laughs> uh, then Iowa City. We never miss the Iowa lady somehow. From Dubuque. Who are you? The lady from Dubuque. We went to see uh, this play in uh, England. That's enough of the schedule. Who's live anyway? <laughs> oh, I wanted to mention one more thing because I think it's uh, fun. I'm going to uh, uh, South by Southwest, and I'll be there the 13th and 14th. The podcast is at 6 at Esther's Follies. Then I'm doing, what is it, Johnny Cash Jr.'s Nepo Baby <laughs> Karaoke Jam, I think yes. it's called. It's at uh, uh, Maniac, uh, Adomian, all the great uh, uh, impressionists will be there. Uh, and um, Matt Besser and whatnot's putting it on. He's Johnny Cash Jr., I believe. Mm. I'll leave it to you who you think I'm going to do, but I'll give you a hint. It's going to be very sexy. Very sexy. Do <laughs> I? I could be king. What's and your you? favorite word? Crepuscular, because it's so beautiful, Jennifer. <laughs> and dolphins could marry each other for tax purposes. <laughs> I, I wish I could swim. <laughs> like the dolphins. <laughs> like the dolphins can swim. I'm going to be doing that. So you have to come to that, right? And that's at the South by Southwest Festival. We'll go to S by S XX by SW.com or whatever it is. Uh, podcast uh, on the 13th at 6, early evening. And then the stand-up after that the next night. Excuse me, at Esther's Follies. I've been to South by Southwest in a long time, so let's hope this one really rages like a rage machine. I understand, and I'm not kidding, that William Shatner's doing a keynote speech. I have no what? idea what that means. Yeah, For real? I hope so. And I'm going to try, if I can, <laughs> to see William Shatner. I have a whole day on the 14th I think I can kick around. And I think what you do in Austin is try to get Mexican food. It, they're going to offer you so much to barbecue. Sure. Yeah. It's like Kansas City, though, where they're like, have you had the barbecue? And you're like, yes. Yeah. You can only eat barbecue one time in a row. You can't eat three barbecue. We've done it. We've eaten barbecue two Whereas we found today, uh, tacos for lunch, Every tacos for dinner, works out. Yeah, this is California. No, no complaints. We have I, all the avocado. Right, we had avocado both meals. Um, I know that some of you live in places where you're not avocado compliant, uh, friendly. Some people, frankly, are hateful about... Or I think they are, but I don't avocado think avocado abundance. I think they write for New York Magazine mostly. I don't think there's a lot of listeners. <laughs> One or two, they're mad at me now that I said that because they're like, I do write for New York and I like your show. Or used to. Right until um, the avocados. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my uh, woke avocado brain around the country to destroy what's left of uh, the American flags, especially the ones with the blue. This lifted my spirits. Please that right. Uh, before we had our, our latest uh, avocado taco adventure, I, I looked at the Washington Post, and the headline is, Tucker Carlson said he hates 45 passionately. Yes, in quotes. <laughs> because it's it's the lawsuit, and the depositions are just giving and giving. It's, Today was even more. Yeah. We've learned so much. We've learned that Rupert thought he was an idiot and wanted to make him a non-person. And... Uh, Underneath that headline is that Murdoch thought he was increasingly mad. Mm. In case you didn't think he was, 45 wasn't already mad. The the uh, the hideous fascist uh, 
convention that they had over the weekend. Kapow? It didn't, yeah, it didn't really draw. <laughs> Kapow? Did not no, draw. It like, kabummered. Uh, yeah, it seems And Lauren Berger wore evening wear, too. She wore something from the Ilse Coach Hillbilly Collection or whatever, the, <laughs> the Nazi Hayride. Yeah, no, they were all there. It was really um, actually kind of a redone, non-greatest hits. By the way, Fox News wasn't there mm. at the Quebec Convention. Mm. They had all their inferior news stations, you know, Klimnax Klim and Klamtrax and Moosemax and Pimtax. News Moose. Yeah, Ms. Moose and Pig Moose and, you know, Tail Moose and... It wasn't well, good. They they were sweaty, and uh, you could tell the the fear of the galloping lawsuits is upon them. They're, they have so many. Really, lawsuits. you think so? With Fox not even showing up, <laughs> Fox didn't show up, and they're in the middle of a one point six billion dollar lawsuit. Yeah. Billion, Dominion, the voting company, that has, hurts even people with uh, yachts. Yeah. Oh. People with yachts keep the economy going. That's clear. <laughs> Today it got so lame at Kapak that they've already had 45 diddies. Um, what was it? I am a, I am a rock. I am an island. He kept saying, I'll be your I'll be your baby. I'll be your toy. I'll run the gun for you and so much more. I'll tumble for you. Whatever. He gave that fucking speech. Now he misused the word retribution and gave it a... He now we know, right. Made it a personal pronoun. It was so grotesque. But now we know for a fact from the depositions that, that Fox News didn't want to reveal the election fraud because they didn't want to lose viewers. Yeah, they were willing to keep lying. Viewers. Yeah. Democracy, schmocracy. Oh. Whatevs. Or any kind of what they used to call broadcast standards. When you present yourself as a news station, even though they're not registered as Fox News, as you know, as I think they're registered as an entertainment station. When you present yourself as a news station, and they used to say they were fair and balanced, which was awesome. Really awesome. Um, I I remember when Hillary Clinton went on, when she was running for president, and they asked her a question, and they said, are you uh, willing to answer that? And she said, of course, because you're fair and balanced. Yeah, Yeah, you're fair and balanced. They really didn't know what to do then. No, because the truth is a harsh, harsh disinfectant. And, uh, yeah, they just... They've lied about what uh, Dominion did. They inferred that Dominion queered the voting, and the Dominion has rightfully said that this went on and on and on to the point where mm-hmm. it's ruined their reputation, and mm-hmm. they want $1.6 billion in damages. Very difficult kind of case to win. It's the Sullivan case in New York, because you have to prove that there was maliciousness on the part of the people who defamed you. So it has to be proven that they got in a room, Tucker and Rupert and everybody, and went, oh, I'm going to get that Dominion. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting really close on it. I wouldn't predict... I don't like to. I'm not like a no, Terry Canefield or whatever. In, in the uh, the case in Georgia, Fonnie uh, Willis's case, the one they're trying to take away from her exactly. by legislating it up. And you know, her. when you when you know that you're innocent, when you know that right is on your side, the first thing you do is try to remove the district attorney. Oh yeah, clearly the act of an innocent, you know, right uh, court. Well, and so that's what's going on with Dominion and. Dominion has a very good case. Uh, we'll see what happens. But each day there's more news drop about what a hideous, hideous group of uh, nest of vipers, mm-hmm. which we already knew. That it's kind of nice to know, have specifics about how much they all hate each other. And oh, that was always so. uh, how I felt like it would fall apart because they can't trust each other. Oh, no. And they really do hate each other. Yeah. And there was so much infighting. Um, 
getting people fired. And what did they say about Giuliani? That wasn't it that no one wanted to be near him. That yeah. he was an absolute madman. One of the producers said that he was what was it gone on the booze? Yeah. Yeah. And Carlson, we know, has lied about everything. Has the January 6th material that McCarthy gave him, which has to be some sort of breach of congressional etiquette at the very least, that you would give hundreds of hours of... Well, uh, and the problem there is they're trying to sanitize and and show, uh, you know, out of 40,000 hours, I'm uh, sure that there's, uh, what, uh, two clips of people acting like innocent tourists or whatever they're trying to paint it. But the problem is we've already, the public has access to the the grave violence that occurred at the Capitol. We've already we went, had the committee. We have seen it. It's been on TV. It's on you know available. Yeah, the kittens out of the kitten jar. Yeah. No, January sixth, I think fairly documented. Not only that, there been millions of people who watched it on the day in horror and disgust, but yes. it's been gone over a million times. And one after the next of defendants. And now we have um, the Pence subpoena. And the Meadows subpoena. That, uh, doesn't, and Meadow, Mark Meadows, exactly. And it doesn't look like they're going to be able to, you know, get away for too much longer well, putting that off. The Justice Department's after them. Jack Smith and the Special Counsel's Department's after them. State of New York is after 45. The State of Georgia's after all of them and 45. And what was the other one? We're missing one. The, the oh, E. Jean Carroll. E. Jean case. Carroll. Uh, there's a lot of ac- hot action. And when they start... Uh, Checking out subpoenas. I think things are moving quickly now. That's the Did thing. Did you already mention the attorney generals of New York's case? And yeah, and New York and Georgia. Right. Um, and then there's the DA of New York's right, case against but the, him. The DOJ thing is the special counsel is um, operating at his own time. Well, listeners, we had a bit of a tech fuck up, meaning I fucked up. Anyway, we're starting again, uh, and we've got so much to cover, and we're so very happy to be here. I believe we've covered the fact that um, somehow we found out that Tucker Carlson um, detested 45. So that makes it unanimous. Yes, uh, that was just tonight, which is, you know. Yeah, no, there's breaking news every day yeah. about this awesome Dominion story. Uh, and uh, let's hope it really uh, is a death uh, nail, nail. I don't know if it's a death nail, but it, it's certainly it'll be profound whether or not anything happens to them. They can't go on the way they are. Well, their biggest propaganda uh, system, like just jettisoning them because of a lawsuit, is is kind of the death knell. Oh, right? And Fox News didn't go to Kapak, and uh, hey, the party's over. Um, the fascist... Uh, congregation that they had down there wasn't getting a lot of people. No, not as popular as it used to be. It, uh, I think this one was really a, a please Co- give us money. Cocaine Bear was there. Was Cocaine Bear there? Oh, yeah. well, he's always there. Little Sluggo. <laughs> uh, sweating. And, and of course, what's her name was there? Kimby. This year, Christmas will be ours! Uh, they have quite a little crew. Pompeo said God wasn't going to get canceled, so I was pretty excited about that to find out that the, uh, Secretary of Defense, who's I think is close to a psychopath and hasn't recanted of the anyone. Former, who, thank you, Secretary of Defense. Oh, I consider him the Secretary of Defense for all time because uh, <laughs> he's uh, such a great um, leader of military might that he couldn't determine that. Was if this God Secretary was, Fatback? Yeah, fat, fat. <laughs> Backpack? The one the old cows are called 
Secretary Backfat. He couldn't determine that if God is omnipotent, God wouldn't be worried about people canceling him, you see, because he would already have the ability to... His God is such a treacherous... <laughs> His God wears a mankini and a Viking uh, helmet. That, that's not a, a neighborhood you want to be in. Mm-mm. Brad Didi neighborhood. Let's talk about Biden going to the Ukraine as a very um, exciting moment in the 21st century. Since we did the last podcast, uh, Dark Brandon took off for parts unknown in the stealth of the night he went to ukraine and he made a journey that i think it was 22 hours um yeah he only took a couple of journalists and wow and just the provisions he needed yeah (laughs) exactly um it was it was a pretty wild uh adventure that not a lot of presidents have done and i think None in the modern day, like literally none have done this where there is no American troops on a battlefield. Don't you think it's a security nightmare to take a president for 10 hours on a train when he could be shot at by missiles and whatnot? Well, also, if anybody knew he was on that train. I, I want to talk about the fact that people insist on saying, oh, my God, even today, a 20-something asked me, like, is... Biden going to run? Um, yes, he has For successfully president? put together a country that was torn asunder by a maniac. Yes, I remember that. And in two years, he's put it back together again and has uh, made inroads into things that I, I never even thought could be made better. I mean, we, we have... A Umatilla Walla Walla Indian uh, indigenous person in charge of our national parks. We have uh, an indigenous person in the Secretary of Interior position. We have an openly gay person as the Secretary of Transportation. Um, Yes, oh yeah, the the right-wing talking point about that it's Pete Buttigieg of his responsibility to look after East Palestine. Well, you know, come to... Uh, find it's actually not it's the EPA and it's the uh, NTSB um, and they were on the ground they, the EPA was there on the day well they were we, just trying to make such a big thing out of it we have Michael Regan is By the, the way, head of the EPA I don't remember EPA. Lane Chow going anywhere to inspect anything Michael Regan uh, for the EPA is not only like a stunning supermodel but right. he also <laughs> was on the ground there going we some more good better looking cabinet members uh, right and people that you might actually want to speak to right um you're saying Mike Pompeo was a conversational <laughs> bone mode right dropper. um Michael Regan was there in people's homes yeah. talking to them he um was. they have been there we the company that uh was the uh, at falls with the uh, oh yes rail derailment they just checking the time were actually in another train derailment two days ago wow like they're just maybe that's their fault and you might not want to blame the the administration and the people that are trying to help but you know there we are um I didn't. I thought it was amazing that Biden went to the Ukraine because it was such oh a gigantic God. World War II type oh message God. that it was we're not so going to allow profound. them to, you know. And and this is why you know people talk about uh, his age and 
that's something to consider. But something to consider is the fact that he passed his physical last week with flying colors. He took a 10-hour train trip to Boo. from Poland to <laughs> Ukraine. I'm not taking a 10-hour train trip. then gave a speech in Warsaw yeah. to much acclaim. Huh. I wonder if other people of lesser years could pull that off, as well as pulling together a cabinet of a diverse... The most diverse group of people in history. I could history. do the first part, but I don't and think I could do that. An astoundingly accomplished black South Asian vice president who, I mean, we cannot honor enough how much she has done. And before, a couple of days before Biden went to Ukraine, uh, our vice president, Kamala Harris, was in Munich and she said, that Russia was committing uh, crimes against humanity. And then two days later, uh, our President Biden appears in Ukraine against, you know, all odds. We can't believe that he got there. Um, No one was notified. I think he had two reporters on board. Um, This says uh, it was, they used smaller airports Right, they used right. a they different really plane. In, I mean, well, they, it was security risk is ridiculous. No, but it was really a stealthy journey yeah, and scary. And I remember reading that his uh, advisor, uh, Jen, Malio, uh, Jen O'Malley Dillon, um, her husband wrote, "Is it okay if I brag that I'm home with the kids and <laughs> one of them has strep?" Because his wife, right. well his wife was with Biden in Ukraine, and they took a a, a special train car, a ten hour journey. And for those of you ageist assholes, <laughs> sorry, I mean, who is able no, to do this? He's bouncing with energy, and, yes. and 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 making the boldest moves in the politics of the twenty first century. It's so important to show it, the whole world that we're going to try them for war crimes and that they're going to get that pinned on them. It's, it's not, so important. I mean, yeah, we, we were talking before tonight yeah. about um, when I was a kid, my parents' landlord was a World War II resistance hero. Um, when I lived in Northern Virginia, uh, one of my neighbors was a Holocaust survivor. He had been in a camp. I know, right? I mean, this is not ancient history, and this is what Russia is trying to do to Ukraine. And it's phenomenal that we have the backing that Biden has brought together NATO. He's, he's strengthened NATO like never before. He's strengthened the EU. Um, it's just... Uh, it's so important that the First Lady, or the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, they've. Merrick Garland was just in Ukraine. Yeah, you know? it's astonishing. No, it's really important because we're trying to save democracy here. Right? This is where we're at. And they're brave. And this is what you needs may remember, to happen. Uh, what the first, the administration before were basically trying to get us to get Ukraine to pull the information on us so that. We wouldn't be here now with Biden being this strong in the face right. of Russia. Right. We would be folding to Russia, and that would be very bad. Because that's what they're after. No, I think this is a, we're chasing them down, and um, 
It was one of the boldest, most powerful moves you could have made, I think. Well, for exactly. The rest of the world. It was really bold. Yeah. No one expected it. It was brave. And, you know, there were photos of Zelensky uh, shedding tears oh, because sure. Biden was meeting his, uh, his advisors in Kiev. And I, I don't think that he thought it was, I mean, it was obvious that he didn't think that it was actually going to happen either. Right. And there they were. And it was a sunny day. It, it, it was finally a nice day, right. which was momentous. Um, this is how brave our president right, is right, and exactly. how dedicated yeah. he is he and pre- his administration to putting it all back together. And we're talking about an administration with the most diverse group of people in history. We have gay people, indigenous people. We've got trans people. We've got a black vice president. And we can never forget how powerful all of this is. No, the representation is everything. I think it's kind of why there's so much panic on the other side that they have to ban. It's everything. It's everything why they're panicked. Because any little bit of of difference to the white patriarchy is cataclysmic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I've benefited greatly from the white patriarchy, (laughs) particularly in the last few moments. Let's talk. Speaking of the white patriarchy, let's talk about... The woman in England who was the first speaker, and by the way, as you said to me, she was the first um, uh, woman to be speaker of the Commons in England, and the opposition in party, centuries. the uh, opposition party, put her in. Yeah, she was so important that the opposition party voted right? for her. Um, she swirled away uh, at a, a great good age, but at ninety-three. Who's this old lady? We're talking Betty about Boothroyd. Betty Boothroyd. She was a dancer. She was a Tiller's dancer. She was a, a working class woman who became a politician and was a politician for the rest of her life. And she fought for the good with great good grace and good humor. She was always heard when she put them down when they got out of line um she was invaluable in parliament and how long did she been in, uh, how long was she speaker for like 30 years she was uh you know i don't know right i have to and, look that uh, up she was a, a labor mp always and said she came out of the womb being labor <laughs> and was hard i love that part and also, you know, she read the Brexiteers, the Riot Act. She knew where things were going. And uh, she never married. She didn't have children. This was her life. And she decried what happened with Jeremy Corbyn. And uh, according to the, this is the Guardian obituary, despaired of the subsequent loss of the party's former Red Wall Northern seats. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, um, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, now he's uh, espousing Russian talking points. He's uh, was decried for being anti-Semitic. Um, good riddance to him. And well, I they, thank they you. They bopped him out of labor. And I thank awesome. you. Yeah. Kira Starmer is now the, the head of the Labor Party. Um, Betty Boothroyd he's always knew. He's forming a supergroup with Roger Waters. Uh, yeah. Betty Boothroyd always knew which way the wind was blowing. Oh, yeah. And she was she had a hand on uh, what was going on. And 
what a firebrand. Oh, and took no stick whatsoever. Yeah. Betty Bruthroyd, uh, you don't get to hear about the labor women politicians in England as much because we've had four, three women Tory prime ministers, but Betty Bruthroyd is really her. It, it, you know, do yourself a favor and look at her speeches and her interruptions um, online because they're. Uh, they're stellar because she really shuts those men down. And when they get out of line, they best not. Um, She, you know, like our Nancy Pelosi. Right. Who is beloved. um, She was essential to getting anything done. Right. And when labor was in, she was the speaker then too. Um, I want to talk about James Hong. Who awesome. is still with us and is 94 and... And is in uh, Everything Everywhere. Yeah. And he is so funny and he's talked about... He's an actor and he's up for awards with with his the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, and hilariously, because he's so funny, he says, this is my chant. He's 94. <laughs> uh, uh, right. He's had... Am six, I here for a callback? He's had 600 appearances on tv and in film he he was in a film early on with clark gable and at the screen actors guild awards he said uh, he had a very important speech where he said that in that film the producer told him that no asians were cast as asians in the lead roles because they weren't good enough right there's an excuse and he is standing there. If you know that. He was standing there on stage at 94 yeah. with a movie that is getting all of the plaudits yep. with the leads all Asian American or Asian. Uh, and he, you know, thank God he is still here with us after all of that because. Uh, as we know, when we look at his uh, resume, in the early film, sometimes he's not even credited oh, with no, a no. name. No, he's the dragon guy or whatever. Well, or he's the Chinese guy, yeah. or he's, you know, the, the the Asian person in the background. And he had to fight all these years. We know him. His face is familiar. He's in Blade Runner. He's in... A million movies. He's the eyeball technician. Right. right. He's the gangster in the sound pebbles. Right. He's unforgettable. And the fact that... I mean, Wayne's World. The fact that he feels at 94 that this is a time where he feels recognized. Right. He's got his uh, star on the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right. Um, And it was, you know, thank God he's he's so uh, healthy that he did a little dance. Yeah. He's, you know, adorable uh, and full of life. But... The fact that he ha- is standing before us telling, telling us that, w- that his first movie that he was told that he wasn't capable of playing an Asian character in the movie requiring Asians is phenomenal. And we can never uh, we can never not think about the progress. You and I uh, watch the marvelous TV show MASH off and on. And 
uh, endless reruns. And uh, Larry Gelbart. Yeah. Very funny. But the Korean Americans are often played by people that you should look up. You know, uh, every single one of them has a gigantic resume. This is, you know, kind of a hobby of mine to find out what their background is and when you look them up you find out oh my god they started a theater company or you know they had a a lot of gigs back in Thailand or uh, Taiwan or wherever and these are not people that were just supposed to be an extra on a TV show these are people with uh, endless credits and James Hong is that person that that I I think it's so beautiful that he has the energy to say what he has to say. Oh, and no, he's inspiring to Asian Americans. Um, he's really beautiful. You want to do Wayne Shorter here? Yeah. I never got to see Wayne Shorter. And Wayne Shorter is such a giant of jazz in this country. I did. I got to I got to usher for Weather Report, and he was uh, transcendent. He was a genius. He was one of the greatest saxophone players of all time. Everyone loved him. The people that worked with him, I think, depended on him as being this creative force and this lovely Buddhist. Uh, support to all of them. Uh, he was a lovely uh, person who Herbie Hancock thought of as his best friend. Uh, Ron Carter, when uh, Wayne Shorter swirled on, just uh, tweeted Wayne Shorter. Right. I mean, like, he was an essence. He was uh, the foundation. He was in Miles Davis's second greatest quintet he was uh the one that brought compositions into miles davis's band that miles davis didn't uh say no to he was the guy he uh worked with everyone he worked with Joni mitchell and Celie dan and uh did you just say Celie dan yeah i did against wow. my will um, but he was really you were forced there, there to say some that the really lovely memories that we were listening to an interview that he gave right before he swirled on where he was talking about and the thing that I loved about him is he was so inspirational that when I got out of the car I was talking to a 20 something person and I was just relaying what Wayne Shorter had said and I realized that she didn't know who Wayne Shorter was. Yeah. But I said to her, he was someone, he just swirled on, but he was 89. And she was like, well, that's a good age, which of course it is. But when I listened to the interview, I felt like that wasn't enough, that he was still learning. He was still inspiring. He was still working with people. He was, he had an album out last year. He was that person. And in the interview we were listening to, he was talking about women, women in yeah. jazz who inspired him. And one of them was Hazel Scott, who is somebody that I really adore. And she's a pianist, a singer. Uh, and the fact that he called on her uh, memory and 
was talking about how important she was. Um, it, that's how great he was. That he was thinking about all the other people that make the fabric that that are indispensable. Um, what a lovely person he was. Right. He's, he, he kind of carries jazz through with so many different eras and, and touching on every kind of... Uh, he said jazz is a challenge and very loads of philosophy about how you couldn't anticipate the future and how you should play what you're going to play. What was the quote that someone said when you rehearse and he said, you can't rehearse the future. Um, <laughs> and he, he was always esoteric like that too in terms of very playful. That interview, he said, remember... Uh, he was talking about music and he was doing different licks and whatnot and saying, I miss that. And then he goes, um, and of course the flying cars. Right. I love that he started speaking in jazz. He started scat singing like he couldn't, he, he couldn't hold himself back, but also he's laughing. He was just so, uh, in the moment. And so such a lovely person. And I think that it, it, the fact that uh, Herbie Hancock uh, revered him and also considered him his best friend is everything. This is with Mazda Group. Never TD. Also, we were talking about like Art Blakey, uh, Jazz Messengers, Weather Miles Report. Davis, Weather Report. I mean, Wayne Shorter was everywhere. Joni Mitchell. Do you want a Grammy? This year, I believe? Yeah. I love also that in interviews, of course, he talked about Lee Morgan and Art Blakey like it was yesterday, and he really, he loved them both, and they were really instructive to him, and that Art Blakey said to him, when you go to Paris, don't order a submarine sandwich. Right, be in Paris, <laughs> be, in be where Paris. you're going to be. Um, those two bands are so seminal, because everyone in the universe comes from the Jazz Messengers with Art Blakey and Miles Davis's bands over the years. Yeah. And then, of course, he went on to his solo work. He was doing an opera with, I can't think of her name, Esperanza. Spalding. Spal- Esperanza Spalding. He did an opera with her. There's a live album from several years ago. That's what won the Grammy. There's a wonderful photo in the LA Times of, of him, Wayne Shorter, at his desk with the opera with Esperanza Spalding that he's working on. And, and you know, it just, it's that, that, a bridge between Charlie Parker and Stravinsky. Stravinsky went to see Charlie Parker perform. And Charlie Parker did a riff on Rites mm-hmm. of Spring for him. And and then you've got Wayne Shorter at the desk with his opera. And mm. it's just, he's he's a master and he's unforgettable and he touches everyone. Absolutely. Dominant. And just such a, a, like you said, a a beautiful spirit. Always challenging himself and always making everyone good. And 
it's never hard going. No, I think he's, he was always uh, elevating other people, and I don't think they could believe it. I think that that's why I, people like Ron Carter and Herbie Hancock are missing him most, is because this is a man who, despite all the odds that he had to deal with uh, in his personal life, they depended on him for his yeah. generosity of spirit and his uplifting. Totally uplifting. Yeah. And really unique that way. Um, he loves sci-fi. He loves comic books. I think he spent his whole life being... I love that he... I love that one of his favorite movies is a movie that I made you watch. Uh, Ronald Coleman. Right. And Random Harvest. Which yeah. is a really strange film. Ronald Coleman has amnesia and doesn't remember that he's in love with Greer Garson, is it? He's married to That's Greer right, but he doesn't Garson. remember. He's a yes. Well, he, well, he's a member of Parliament. Was I in love with you before? And he goes on. He, I'm a member of Parliament. I have untold power. I'm yeah. a white man. Yeah. And yet I have no memory at all. But I just ah. thought, like, of all things, but I mean, I think that that speaks to Wayne Shorter's Catholic, uh, Catholicity yeah, yeah, of taste yeah. in that he can find inspiration in right. corners that other people don't think of. No, because he, he's completely free and imaginative. And I think letting himself, well, as well as being a great composer, he wrote lots of great songs, but he, he's absolutely able to challenge himself to do something new all the time. That real challenge. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, he's... He, absolutely is an awesome composer. Yeah. This is the already part of Birdland by Weather Report. One of the most... You worked the show in San Francisco when they were like a rock group. They were so popular. This is a very unlikely hit record. interviews online there's a, a lovely one with Ivan uh, Ethan I'm sorry Ethan Iverson and uh, he's just so like like people who are so confident of their power and their talent he's really free with his knowledge and his uh, elevating others right yeah Letting others shine, collaborating yes, with others. Yes, yes. Giving others credit. Yes. I don't know what it's like. Wow. My soul is barren. And also because he was really such a free spirit. Yeah. He seems ageless in his interviews in several ways, but one of them is he seems like for him the the dawn of his career mm -hmm. is yesterday. No. And he's still working. Yeah. But like it's a, th you know, it's not a, a, it's not a line. It's like it's, mm. it's a, a continuum. A wrinkle in time. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, it's not a line with him. He was that sound. Like I feel like him leaving, of all people, we always say swirled off into the universe and is in the stars. 
he was already there, you know, mm -hmm. like he made up his mind when he knew that was going to happen, that that yeah. had already happened. And then everything's happening all the time. And so he, I think more than anyone else, we say swirl off into the stars was the person who really well, he was like a was Buddha, already ready to swirl. A Buddhist panda bear. Yeah. And, and so fun and so awesome as a person, which is an extra bonus for a musician to be that. Well, Much you know, enough. he took that on, and you know, I don't think I never discount that. That that's a weight oh, in yes, and it of is. itself. Yep. He he took that on to be the um, counselor yeah. for a lot of musicians yeah. who I'm sure came to him, depended on him for that buoyancy. He was that guy, which he was unfailing at. He was that man. This record's called Witch Hunt. Off Speak No Evil. Here's a swinging little number with him and Miles that Herbie Hancock wrote called The Sorcerer. Oh, I love that one. If you want to hear them play against each other, with each other. said before that it was irreplaceable or someone was and you were like you don't replace them and I think with Wayne Shorter you he would say that you know he was here because he was supposed to be here the universe gave us him and we we're supposed to dig that and we're still supposed to dig it that well, is and I think he would think he's still here well he is still here yeah because we can listen to him and we can yeah. watch him and we can appreciate him and we have all these well, great his records. his good works are yeah. still here. He's his still influencing yeah. other musicians, yes. which is awesome. And he has um, an enormous backlog of material, enormous catalog of material that's living. And we'll just say uh, au revoir. Wayne Shorter won't always be here. What's this one? Juju. Making the world a better place. That is absolutely what Wayne Shorter did. Speaking of the better place, let's talk about Judy Human. Oh my goodness, Judy Human uh, just swirled on. Um, she was a disability uh, rights activist, and to say that she—that's just discounting uh, that she was all of that. She was the most important uh, disability rights activist in the seventies. Uh, she was. Uh, 
I mean, she, the reason we have everything she we have had now. polio as yeah. a child, like Joni Mitchell did, like a lot of people did. You know, shout out to those anti-vaxxers. The reason we don't have a polio crisis is because we have a polio vaccination now. Um, Judy Human got polio as a child. She was denied access to schools when she was little because she was in a wheelchair. And in those times in the 50s, it was considered a fire hazard. That was the excuse for keeping kids out. Were they going to combust? I mean, my God. I mean, just the idea that 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 you wouldn't accommodate. Uh, by the, the way, polio was an epidemic at that point. So it, she wasn't singular. So, but she was an amazing fighter. Her parents were Jewish immigrants, and she uh, became a speech therapist and then a teacher, and she wasn't allowed to get her uh, certification in certification in New York because uh, they didn't allow disabled people in wheelchairs to get that to teach then. Yeah. And yes, that is true in the 70, early 70s that that was a case. She moved to Berkeley and uh, through the NICS, the, there was a, a Disabled Rights Act under Nixon. It wasn't enacted. It wasn't enacted under Ford. It wasn't enacted under President Carter. It took Judy Human and her group in San Francisco to make a stand at a federal building for 26 days. They took over. 26 days. And she was tiny and she was out of her wheelchair for part of it. She was crawling up the stairs. What's the movie that it's all recounted in? This so. the she's in a movie that is phenomenal, and it was produced by the Obamas, uh, former President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, uh, made this movie happen. It's called Crip Camp, and it is wonderful, and you should seek it out. It is funny. Judy Human was hilarious. She's the star yeah. of this film. She is the hero of this film. She is absolutely why when you walk into the other day we went to a parking garage and I noted that there's ramps. I mean right that is why yeah. there are ramps. It's because of Judy. Yeah. It is because of Judy Human and her group that there are things that are accessible to more people. No, Crip Camp was also about the camp that they ran from the 50s to the 70s. Right, it was a summer camp for kids. And it was the first time she said that she was around, that she could forget about her disability. She was around other kids with disabilities. And, you know, she just laid waste to everyone else because she's just hilarious and fierce. But she uh, never stopped fighting. And then President Clinton... Uh, made her part of his cabinet and then uh, Obama, President Obama made her an assistant to Secretary of State Hillary Clinton so that she was able to go to other countries to inspire people in other countries to fight for disabled rights. Right. I mean, it was because it's worse elsewhere. It's really, so is. important. Yeah. And again, this is why, you know, we talk about uh, uh, 
Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, uh, the Obamas, this is what they've managed to do. It's just so important. Um, and Judy Human was, uh, she was just an angel, but she would not like that. She would want to be. She was pretty a fight, sassy, I a would say, cantankerous. Yeah, she was, and and at the end, she had cancer, and she was going to her temple, uh, wearing wigs and a and a, a hat, and she realized that she was hiding. Uh, that she was suffering and she realized that that was an invisible disability and she needed to open up to that and that's how wise a person she was she right. was all of those things isn't that, that profound though that you of course hiding it at the end and then realizing but also you know, in her 70s yeah. realizing again yeah. like she was constantly seeking those boundaries and and fighting against them yeah. and it was she was a beautiful beautiful person watch crip camp if you can no oh, it's it's wild and really really funny and and human judy human uh, really gave the world everything and more Burt Backrock. Oh, can, oh first, go ahead. Can I mention that? Oh, let's do the West Virginia thing. Yeah. Um, our friends are uh, heading the clinic, the only women's clinic in West Virginia, in Charleston, West Virginia. And they need your help. And if you can, um, it's uh, the women's health, uh, org online, and you can donate to them. Um, yeah, the Women's Health Center of West Virginia. Yeah. They are one of the only, only providers for women's health care in West Virginia. And uh, they, they really could use a, a leg up if you can, if you can spare. It, you can donate on their site. Um, and they are trying to expand their services. So uh, we would appreciate it if you can. They give a, not only this, it's some of the women who live around there, it's very rural, they're only um, health care. They don't yeah. really get to see a lot of doctors. There's also women who are up in the hills who need toothbrushes, diapers, things like that, and everywhere. And so they do all that as well. And they don't, they're not able to provide abortions now because, of course, West Virginia has fallen under the... And our our government, uh, the Biden-Harris administration, is really trying to fight the draconian Texas uh, new uh, proposed laws. Uh, they really are doing everything they can. We have to elect more no, people. Oh, no. And Vice President Harris has been going around the country to every state talking about what we can do for abortion rights it's yeah. so so important because it's healthcare for women yes um, what's the name of that website that you said that you can go to and find on any abortion provider in any county it was the White House site right it's the White House has a site and it's called abortionfinder.org and you can put in your details you can put in your uh, zip code you can put in your address and it will link you to a clinic that's near you that can help um, and it will give you the hours. It will give you what they can provide. It will also tell you if there are funds that can help with travel. Um, this, these are really important things right now because I think that uh, people from other countries don't understand that the U.S. is, you know, 
really big geographically. Uh, for instance, West Virginia uh, is uh, hilly, mountainous. Uh, it's really uh, difficult to traverse. Um, so having a one clinic, not that easy. No, not no, that no, simple. no, not convenient at all. Now they have to go to Maryland and right. Pennsylvania. It's, what was it? Abortionfinder.org. It's amazing. that uh, This is our government, too, by the way. Yeah. That's how serious they're taking it. There's a giant case going on in Texas right now where five women are suing the state of Texas for their restrictive abortion laws because their lives were in danger and the abortions they were forced to get. There's also the Mephisto... um, I just mispronounced it. The Judge uh, Kazmarek ruling that we're all waiting on in Texas. But I think the fight goes on, and this is a really good time to get involved if you ever weren't involved before in fighting for a woman's right to choose. Jennifer and I, of course, have always tried to um, support and help out. And uh, if you have any, um, if you have any gumption in that area, this is a really good time to do it. Things are changing because it's popular. Everybody wants it. People do want women to have the right to choose. People do want women to have health care. People want abortions on demand. It's really that simple. Well, funny how young people. It's, it's not popular across the board, but young people, this is singularly not popular. Yeah. And so the only way the other team can win is if they suppress votes, if they steal votes, if they're left unfettered, if you don't show up to vote. So show up to vote. All right, I will. Bert Bacharach, um had a long and lustrous lusciously orchestrated life. When he started writing songs uh, in the 50s, he was in a studio with a couple of Drifter songs, including one called Mexican Divorce. And one of the background singers what? for the Drifters, Mexican Divorce, one of the background singers for the Drifters was Dionne Warwick. And so he uh, met her and started working with her. And him and his uh, lyricist partner, Hal David, and Dionne Warwick began to dominate the uh, or invade the pop charts in a huge and profound way. Dominate, you couldn't, you could not exist without hearing Dionne Warwick every day no. in the 60s. And quite right, let's be honest. Right? Uh, there's a lot to hear. We already played Walk it On By. It made life better. Right? The greatest song of all time, Walk On By. Um, here's one that a little later in the. Oops, 67? Do you know the way to San Jose? I've been away so long. I may go wrong and lose my way. Do you know the way to San Jose? I'm going back to find some peace of mind in San Jose. L.A. is a great big freeway. Um, the tenacity of his songs and the brilliance of his melody. Obviously, he's one of the great songwriters in American history. And Hal David's one of the great lyricists, let's be honest. But I think it's how elastic it all is. Because Dionne Warwick had a giant hit with um, I Say a Little Prayer for You. And then Aretha Franklin heard it and turned it into this. Sailing for you. And I'll come in my hand. 
version. It's amazing. It's a gospel song now. Yeah. It's an Aretha song. Yeah, she makes everything awesome. Uh, I think you just went on. Well, like you said, Dionne Warwick was pretty omnipresent and the Birdback Rock sound, competing with the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, uh, Motown, and every other thing. Um, he still had a gigantic career. This one is uh, Herb Alpert singing one of his songs. Herb Alpert, not only a giant record producer, he had a... And a philanthropist And, and an amazing, right, an amazing I think he, he is Angeles. the biggest supporter of the L.A. Community College. Yes, he is. He gave them zillions of dollars. Graduate from Fairfax High. Yeah, and um, really cares about teaching music in L.A. Yeah. young people. Yeah. Which and is an astonishing thing to do. done something about it. Yeah. He really, really has. I think it was something like $10 million oh, yeah. a day. Oh, and he supports community college, which is a... Here's his uh, voice... He was a trumpet player, mostly. Anyway, I think Burt Bacharach said something sassy, like, oh, you're my favorite singer. <laughs> yeah. Very convincing. <laughs> Crescendo. Yeah. If not, I'll just die. There's a lyric. That song's astonishing. Um, he, ha he has quite a lot of goodies here. Uh, and there's... I'm going to play two more and then that'll be it. Uh, Tim Curry is a perfect candidate to do Burt Bacharach, particularly this era. He made an album called Read My Lips, and I got to meet him once years ago. We right? love Tim Curry, yeah. and we've met him a couple of times, and he, you know, they say don't meet your heroes unless you're Tim Curry. Tim Curry, because he is so genius. He's just as funny and talented and sexy as you want him to be. And when I met him at this interview, I brought the copy of Read My Lips, the album, and uh, I asked him to sign it. And he didn't know me at the time, and he went, uh, he wrote on the cover, um, How Did You Are? Which I was um, eternally grateful for. This is a perfect one for him.
<laughs> Tim Curry's amazing. Uh, there's really, you know, Burt Bacharach was recognized in every single way. I think after he broke up with Hal David, uh, he might have regretted it. He mentioned in his biography that they could have you made think? other songs together. He did marry Carol Bear Sager, which is pretty amazing. Like Henry Mancini went back when and... When songwriters collide. Yeah, I married Henry Mancini for a brief period so I could write more good songs. Right, I remember when uh, Dickens married H.G. Wells. Right, because they wanted to write... Uh, they wanted to invent sci-fi uh, in carriages and stuff. Um we're going to leave you on this. You've been the smartest crowd in the world. Burt Backrock is eternal. I also want to mention the George Michael documentary. George Michael is a saint. He's very much a saint and is to be um, cherished forever and ever. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I've been the smartest man in the world. Jennifer's been the smartest woman in the world. May every bell that rings for you be a coupable bell. May every page you turn be a satchel page. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're Dion Warwick. We wish you nothing but love.